place in the you World Cup. For us. Yes, hello and welcome to the Fox Football Podcast. I'm Adam Peacock. Great to have your company once again. This is brought to you by FIFA 21. Win has won out now. Thanks to EA Sports. Robbie Slater is here. Still having a whinge about the fact that he hasn't got an EA Sports FIFA 21. I didn't say anything. Yet. No, you threw your hands up in the air, but that's all right. I'll try and get one. I'll tell you what, with what's going on in football, that could be for a number of... <laughs> Any number of situations <laughs> in football at the moment. And James Dodd from Fox Sports News is here again. Yeah, good to see you, boys. Good, good to be back. Yeah, um, we'll I get told to... you Arsenal beat United. He did. Did what you a... predict Aston Villa? Is that annoying? Yeah, stop no, no. touching the microphone. Uh, um, sorry, I didn't, I didn't think they'd lose at um, Villa. home to Villa. No. <laughs> oh, what fashion. How can you go to United and win 1-0 and then come and home and lose 3-0 to Villa? Easy. Manchester United aren't a very good football team. <laughs> Correct. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with the local stuff. We'll get to the international stuff a bit later on. It is international break and players are going down left, right and centre. So we'll get to that in a moment. But firstly, a uh, bit of A-League, Asian Champions League uh, news, guys. Um, this time next week, Robbie Slater will be calling the Asian Champions League, which sounds like it's going to ha- happen despite the fact that the Malaysian team didn't get approval from its own government to go to Qatar and partake in said competition... Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, the AFC is based in Malaysia, but that's by the by. It looks like Perth Glory, Sydney FC, Melbourne Victory, Sydney FC, for instance, off on Saturday to go over to Doha and get involved in the Champions League. Yeah, they are. And I was there yesterday, uh, well, when this goes out, this was on Tuesday, speaking to Steve Corica and um, Trent Bahaja. And it was interesting to get their opinion on, on going because there was news after Andrew Redmayne pulled out because he was worried that, you know, if there were any early stages of his wife's pregnancy, then he might have to rush back and he'd be in quarantine and that sort of thing. But it looks as though they're going to embrace this for everything that it's got. He's going to give the young players a chance, which is Mm. something that we've seen with Perth Glory's squad when we come on to that, the amount of young players that they're taking to it. But I think with Steve Corker, it's probably, if you view it in a positive light, he's looking at the season starting now, really. So hopefully Mm. that when they do come back and they do have to have that quarantine period, which they're going to have to, they're going to be ready to go. You know, they're not going to be having games to play catch up on. I yep. think that they're going to be like minutes in the legs and, and ready to rock and roll. Mm. Mm. I think it's a debacle. I, don't, I know they don't want to go. Sorry, poor Todsy, mm. but um, they have to go. Uh, and as a professional, you have to go, you have to go. But I, I, I think they're, um, they're going to be underprepared. They're up against massive teams uh, at the end of their seasons. And we're going there with little preparation with a lot of kids and it could be embarrassing. I hope it's not. And I do take that. And Steve Corker, of course, has to, you know, if you're going to go, you've got to take it and, and be positive Great about face, it. Great face, yeah. But we, we, lo- we risk losing a lot of, if I want to say, face uh, in respect to, to these teams. I know they didn't want to go given the, the current world situation. It, pretty surprised that the AFC have managed to pull it off. I would imagine that's due to contractual agreements that they have to fulfil. Mm. And there was just no way the Australian sides, although I think behind the scenes tried uh, to yeah. get out of it. Yeah, so they're still pending, at, as we sit here and do this, they're still pending approval to leave the country. You need approval to leave the country. Well, I hope not, they're not going through Palaszczuk. <laughs> no, they're not they're going through the federal government. Robbie. Or Andrews. <laughs> here we go. We can do this. What about the... <laughs> Andrew? Palaszczuk comes out and says... Uh, uh, Says that the Victoria's border will be open before Sydney, Sydney, Greater Sydney. I mean, it's extraordinary. Anyway, yes, that is pending, so we'll just have to wait. And look, we're doing it here on Fox Sports. And if they go, we'll, you know, I'll, I'll be looking forward to it. But I just hope 
that it's not going to be yeah. an, an embarrassment because it would be through no real fault of the the, the, the A-League clubs. Yeah, there, there might be a, a disparity in terms of um, preparation time, like you mentioned there, and, and disparity yeah. in terms of quality as opposed to some of the teams that the Australian teams are playing. But when you look at it on face value as, okay, treat it like a pre-season. It's a pretty good pre-season that they go over to Qatar and hopefully everything's secure over there. But they're playing in the World Cup stadiums. They're staying in six-star hotels. They've got epic training facilities. It's a good pre-season to have. And speaking to people involved with Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory, they're going to come back to Sydney at this stage and train in quarantine here, so they'll they'll treat it like a, a training camp. Perth Glory a bit different. They're going to have to come back. It sounds like and just do hotel quarantine, not be able to train and delay the start that's of their A League. Well, there season. goes your preseason yeah. theory for two weeks. So that's a that's a tough one for Perth Glory to. Why do they with. have to do that? McGowan. Mm, He's yeah. another one on your hit list. Yeah, what a shock. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not Australia anymore. <laughs> what are they? No, Western Australia. Well, they call us the Easterners and, uh, you know, it just doesn't feel like Australia. It hasn't done for, for quite some time. It's just a, Cut a bunch off. of states doing exactly what they want to do. What's the point of having a Prime Minister? Yeah, OK. Let's, we should make this a political podcast. I'm not entirely sure. We might get to a certain tweet you put out earlier in the week and read something. Oh, geez, that went well. <laughs> Actually, I think I, I think I put that out a few hours later. Dude, that went well. <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh, there's nothing like we will enticing the loonies, mate. It's unbelievable. Diego Castro, though, the, that's the thing that popped off the screen for me when they read mm. out the squads that they're taking. He's back. It's like nothing happened. It's fine. I mm. spoke to Perth. They're fine. Yeah, okay. But the, there was what there was with the COVID. He was Lord Luke, wasn't he? He didn't want to do anything, but he's now back and he's going to play the season as well. So that's brilliant news for Perth Glory. Great news for them. And uh, as we mentioned earlier about the young players that they've got in, in the team coming in, to have Diego Castro yeah. back, he's a great role model for those players, even if maybe some people questioned his actions when he decided to go yep. off on holiday. But that was his choice. You know, I'm fairly sure that they hey, came to a contractual were, agreement because of that. So and, it's not but also there, there, were, there were times when really if someone made a decision to do something, who was going to criticise it given the world situation exactly at that right. time? The amount was, of players that didn't come back as well to Australia during that period. Yeah, so he at least exactly. stayed and, you know. Got him in his caravan and had a great trip. The word was that he, it was a little bit to do as well with the not wanting to take the financial hit that was being offered. So I don't know exactly what went on. It's a, it's a contract between himself and Perth Glory and discussions. Light would love to know the whole story. I don't think we ever will know the whole story. The point is, though, that he's still a Perth Glory player and we get to see him for another uh, yep. few months, which is which is brilliant because enjoy watching that man play football. Ollie Ruse, they're, they're in a camp at the moment. Um, Robbie, have you been called to... Give some motivational messages to the boys from no, he, no, he hung hung up on me. <laughs> he said, "I'm working for the first time for six months." Get lost. <laughs> I said, "Get lost." So I said, "Oh, okay, see ya." No, he said it was look, it was great. I actually spoke to him the day he was waiting for the players to come in, and um, yeah, when I, he certainly hasn't been doing nothing because he's been trying to sort of help organise the mess that the FFA has found itself in. Uh, before James Johnson arrived and the mess the game finds itself in as a whole. But that is uh, for a podcast that will would take two weeks uh, for us to sit here and talk about all the problems we have coming forward in, into the future. They are big, they are now, and they are massive. And they're, you're talking years and years and years to fix them. Um, but as far as... Glad I asked about the Oli Roos. <laughs> well, the Oli Roos is a positive story because we've actually qualified for the first time. We, yep. We'd missed the last, what was it, three Olympic Games? 2008 uh, was the eight, last time. Which mm -hmm. uh, coincided with actually, yeah, we missed the last two, but effectively it's 12 years 
And the last one to coach, <laughs> ironically, was Graham Arnold in Beijing. That's the last team that went there. And then, of course, we went down a certain pathway and everything crumbled. Um, but it's great that they're back in training. Uh, a difficult times for all national teams. I mean, especially for this part of the world because we're so isolated and yeah. we can't seem to get anywhere. Luckily in Europe, and we'll get on to that later, you know, they've got the Nations League and they're all playing each other. And, or trying to. Yeah, or trying to. But, yeah. uh, but we don't have... Yeah, but we don't have anything uh, like that. But it's great to see that, you know, they're there and they're going to the Olympic Games if they're going to be on. We're sitting here on a Thursday recording this podcast. We'll get it out Thursday afternoon and then tonight... Thursday, uh, the Oliroos play Sydney FC. That's and then right. They, next week they play Macarthur as well. So two good games, quality games, not only for Sydney FC and Macarthur, but also the Oliroos and some of those young players looking to get a look in. Feel sorry though for Dylan Wenzel Halls. He's been palisaded. He can't get across the border to join the uh, Oliroos squad, but he's about the only one, I think. And Nick D'Agostino as well. The people initially saw the the eyebrows raised. Oh, why wasn't he there? There was, I think, there was some COVID-related tests they were waiting for the results for. So that's why he wasn't there. And obviously, then hmm. he got the ACL inclusion. But I think the interesting thing with Sydney FC is that they've got to have Sydney FC boys playing against Sydney FC. Hmm. So it's a great opportunity for them to show Steve Corrigan and Graham Arnold what they can do. But as you say, this is going out on on a Thursday. When Graham Arnold did his press conference on Wednesday, it was unbelievable. He was so excited. You could see the, just the sheer joy at him being able to get back on the training yep. pitch. He said he could have had an eight-hour training session with them. He didn't want to finish the session. They were just going <laughs> through everything fun. else. <laughs> eight hours with Arnie. <laughs> You've done that a few it's times. It's nearly a podcast. <laughs> eight hours with Arnie. <laughs> See you later, Robbie Slater. <laughs> Can you tell the venerable story? No, but it's story? great. And I've spoken to and he's been incredibly frustrated at the situation, of course. You know, when you think, when was our last Socceroo game? It was, it was last year. I'm pretty sure it was, uh, was it January? Anyway, it's an incredibly long time. And, of, of course, he's been involved in more administrative uh, things since and, you know, in the background. But, like you said, this is what he wants to do. Yeah. And you can see the joy of it being back. Yeah. Hey, what about MacArthur? They, they play the Oli Roos next Tuesday. What are our expectations? And it's early. They've still got a pre-season to get through. But what are our expectations of, of this club? I think if you look at, I got a, a tweet on this yesterday. Somebody asked me about the the, the squad they're putting together, and because I, it's my understanding, there's the two Spanish boys are going to be there by the end of the month. Susayatu mm. um, was at Melbourne City, and Benya Echeverria, who's coming from Bilbao. So big, big household name. Please be a, spell that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with Benya. Um, if they can phonetically, how do you write that phonetic? No. If they bring those two players in, which yeah, they're going, they're going to, mm. then if you add that to a squad of Matt Derbyshire, centre forward. Now, a player that has been playing in Cyprus, but I looked at his goal record this morning, 51 goals in 84 league games. Mm -hmm. So they're hoping he's going to be a Lafondra mm. type mm -hmm. signing. Milligan, the experience there. Federici in goal. They've got Denis Jean-Rowe, the, the young boys with the Oliver Rose. Yep. Tommy Orr is going to be there. He's got a point to prove as well. If they can... If Ante Milicic can, can get them to blend together mm. using these games, and if they can copy Western United's philosophy of how to grow a club in that first year mm. there's no real ceiling for them is there i mean nobody's expecting them to go and win it in the first season no of course not i think it's going to be one of those seasons where you know we don't know where it's going to win i mean sydney have done well they've only really lost lafonda mm. but they do have an aging side uh, that's uh that's 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 a point for them but look i think it's a bit of a mystery what we're going to get 
I think with MacArthur, I think it's going to work on the pitch and, and Ante Milicic has got a guide with what Mark Rudan, who he knows very well, has done with Western United and what Tony Popovich and Ante Milicic, very close to Tony Popovich, did with Western Sydney Wanderers, obviously. And to a lesser extent, I guess you could say that he did the same thing with Perth Glory when he, he went over there. It wasn't like he had to start from scratch, but he had to rebuild the joint and he did it so well. But I think on the pitch that they're, they're going to be OK and that the limit might be... You, you can't put a limit on them at the moment. But off the pitch, hopefully they get it right as well. They're going to be forced to do things a bit differently. I'm not sure how many people they can have in their um, their, their stadium to start with. It's hard to start a, a new club if you've got limitations. At the moment, the only two grounds in Sydney which can have half capacity, a Bankwest Stadium and ANZ Stadium, all the rest I think are at 25%. So places like Cogra and Campbelltown, they, they're going to have minimal crowds. So hopefully that's not affected too badly with MacArthur because they need that support. They need to hit the ground running. They need to do things properly off the pitch from an administration point of view. <laughs> and fingers crossed that is the case. Yeah. It looks like the, the memberships have been selling well as well. I think they, you know, they're, they're trying to boost themselves. As we said, off the field with the social media stuff, they're trying to get. Uh, tr essentially, they're trying to create a fan base, mm -hmm. and they're trying to incorporate the teams that would have made MacArthur and, and trying to grow them that way. So, it's just you know, like and that's brilliant said. that they're doing that. And you know, what's so disappointing is they don't get any help. Mm -hmm. They're not getting any help. We don't hear from anyone. Who's in charge? The A League's kicking off in a, in a month. Yeah. Who, who's talking? Where's James Johnson? Where's Greg O'Rourke? Where's the clubs that wanted the independence? What the hell are they doing? They're trying to work out a draw at the moment. The what? The draw. Well, well how about working out how to market the league? Oh, well, that's, that's by the by. That's I think the draw. I tell you, it's... it's you it's, need a draw. What's happened, what's happened here is shameful. Mm. What happened is unacceptable to someone who's a supporter of football and football has been... Not only my life, but a lot of other, you know, people. Mm. And, yeah, where are the clubs? Where are they? They wanted this. They got rid of the lowies. We're talking years ago now. Where's their plan? Where's their, their blueprint for the future? The you know, the poor old MacArthur's of this world are left to do it on their own. The unbundling is just about it. Well, that's what they want. What's they the want to do it on their own. The unbundling? I tell you, the old joint needs unbundling. <laughs> Seriously. So, but the it's, it's just shameful. You do not hear from anyone. The club... As soon as Rugby League farts, Volandis is up. Yeah. And he's talking and something happens. Remember when they, they weren't going to play the national anthem? Volandis come out an hour later and said, no, no, sorry, we've, we've made a mistake. Mm. We've scrapped that. It's back on. You know, we, where's our leaders? Do you find it difficult, James, to work with clubs and get information in the current climate at the moment? FFA um, and clubs? The clubs, I... I don't really have an issue with like no. being, you know, I think what I've found, especially since coming to Australia and dealing with clubs in the A-League is that it's so different for that from in, in Europe where they're very much more guarded. Yeah, Here it's, it's we more want, open. We help yeah. us. We want publicity. Mm. Fox are the broadcaster, you know, yeah. we'll give you whatever you want, That's which right. I think it's like when, when you guys started doing the manager interviews at the start of the second yep. half, you don't get that anywhere else in Europe. No. And it's, it's, it's uh, an initiative which gets more people interested. It gets a, a better insight out there to, to Joe Public sitting at home watching it. And I think the club's been great. The FFA, naturally, they feel guarded and they, they, they want to keep power close and maybe it's changing with, you know, the communication side of things, which is going to yeah. improve. But, you know, they're just... I'll tell you now, Rob, it's a lot easier to get information than six months ago that they've got a communications person in there. 
and also that the clubs want to go down this direction. Now, it's still at a tenuous position that the clubs have kind of got control of the A-League to do what they want with it, but they don't have total control and there's still a crossover. And what, and what so. do they want to do with it? <laughs> that's a good point. So that's the clubs. That's well, the, the administration. Well, the, all the I'll say is I hope they've got a plan. One would hope so, that if you want control that much of something... Well, I just hope they've got a plan because, you know, there's things that are going to change and that's that's inevitable. What's the worst experience you had going to a ground in England, Dozzy, with... Uh... Oh, you'd have a few, wouldn't you? <laughs> from, from Surely. My... Oh, no, this is going to... A warning has to go out for this one. I was at Chelsea doing an FA Cup game um, and in, in the <laughs> main good. stand at Stamford Bridge, you're right up in the gods where the, the TV and radio gantry is. And I'd been out the night before, but it wasn't a particularly heavy one. Mm. But I'd eating something bad. Oh right, so you were. And struggling. I was mid-fight, and Stuart Pierce was my co-commentator. And Stuart Pierce is sitting there, and he's looking at me, turning green. He's <laughs> off. He moves his microphone from his mouth. He goes, "Right." <laughs> I went, nah. <laughs> Ran up the stairs, projectiled all in the media. Essentially, little cabin up there where there's a toilet, and the security guard looks at me, complete shock on his face. Just the Chelsea go one nil up, by the way. Oh. And I said, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> That was that was the worst experience I've ever had at a football ground in my life. I was talking about how you were treated, not how you've treated other people. <laughs> they didn't treat me very well after that. <laughs> uh, how were you? How was the next time you went back to Chelsea? They, they frosty. Lo- looked at you warily. Yeah, yeah frosty. Somewhat. Somewhat. But no, like in in that sense, do they know over there that they're the biggest ticket in town? They don't really need your help. Yeah, you're. Is a, that the a, attitude? You're a, you're a, an inconvenience. Sometimes, not always. Manchester yeah. United, you're an inconvenience. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're probably yeah. not going to listen to this, but the press team, the media management team, were the, they were police officers, not media officers. Was this when Ferguson was there or after? After. Yeah. After Sir Alex, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the communications director is still there, still in the same position. Um, even little things like, you know, requests. You As a radio, the rights holder for the radio broadcast, you know, you're entitled to get mm. the manager. No, they'd walk him straight past. If it was Jose, if it was Van Hal, it was the same. Just straight past. <laughs> Listen to you laughing. As a player, you don't give us stuff about that. My worst uh, experience is, uh, was as a, co- a co-commentator. Um, this was uh, it was a big soccer. I can't remember what it was, but it was it was at ANZ, full house. So it must have been kind of an important game. But I can't <laughs> exactly like it. remember. It must. I think it was a World Cup qualifier. Might have been against Japan or someone. Anyway, I find myself at ANZ Stadium, and as usual, I'm being unprofessional. You know, I'm going around talking to everyone. I've gone downstairs to see the players and da da da. And then I had to. I had this an event I had to go to, which was about 20 minutes before kickoff. It was a quick introduction, you know, MC, answer a few questions. And I said, look, I've got to, it's five minutes because kickoff I'm commentating with Simon Hill. Anyway, so I've come out and I've gone around and I somehow found, and I've got to this place and no one took me, so I've just gone on my own. I thought I'll be sweet. Anyway, I've come out and I got disorientated. And mm-hmm. ANZ... So underneath, in the you know down where the bus go and all, you, all the, the bowels parking. of the stadium. yeah the bowels. Yeah. So it, on the southern is it the southern is it the eastern and western or southern and eastern where western. the main entry where the players go in the west entry is where the players go. Okay, in, so the, the west entry is where I should have been. Anyway, I find myself with about seven minutes to kick off at the wrong side, <laughs> and I didn't really know, and I'm I've just panicked, and anyway. I didn't, I'd already been and I'd been up the stairs and I'm going, I'm on the wrong side of the stairs. I must be on the wrong side of the stairs. And I've gone back down and I've, 
I've asked someone, I've said, the, the commentary box, it's on the other side. Of the so I, and there wasn't, you know, when they got the little buggy that goes around, yeah, yeah. there was none to be seen. <laughs> and I've ran and somehow I've managed to arrive in the commentary box as it kicked off. Out of breath, I was sweating, I was in my suit, and that was the worst experience. I thought I was going to miss it. How did that go down with... Uh, Murray Shaw? Not Murray Shaw, ex-executive no, no, producer. Muzzle wasn't too pleased. Because he'd warned me before. He said, are you sure? Because, you know, it's quite <laughs> a distance. And uh, But anyway, that was... Uh, that, was <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. Luckily, I wasn't the main commentator. Would have yeah. been worse. Yes. But Simon's like... He, I've sat in the chair and I've gone... And Simon's looking at me going... <laughs> anyway, that was that did happen actually. Come to think of it, as memory that happened when Stuart Pierce was co-commentating me. I was producing him, and he turned up thirty minutes into the first half because no. he got stuck in a traffic jam on the M6. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a bit different because yeah. at least it's you yeah. know, mine wasn't a real valid reason. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, um, what's the worst ground? Like, as in the 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 ground that you dreaded going to um, in your time, the the place that, or conversely, let's think of. The good in life. What about the best ground you've been to in your life? The best ground? Well, I've been lucky to go to some very famous gr grounds. And, oh, look, I'd have to say as the one I'd support, Anfield. It was always, you know, I grew up. Mm. And the other one was Wembley because I grew up on English football, you know, parents, scousers, mad Liverpool fan watching effort. You know, obviously, I grew up, when I grew up, they were... It was the the dominant Liverpool. What was the old Wembley like underneath? Well, like we for me, playing at Wembley was surreal because they all talked about how massive the pitch was. But when you've only watched it on TV, you know, from 18,000 miles away or whatever it is, 26,000 yeah. kilometres, um, I got to Wembley and I thought, I thought it looked quite, not small, but it, I just expected it to be so much bigger. It does bigger. look But it was big. It, don't get me wrong, it was big. But for me, it was... It was just the history of the place. And that was my first game in England. Mm. And that was my first game. was the Charity Shield against Manchester United. Uh, first game in England and it was just surreal. It really was. And I sat in the... It, we, we were in the, the home where England sat. Mm -hmm. So I thought back to... six. You're thinking back to 66, who sat there and the history of the place, all the cup finals. And, uh, yeah, so... But other places, you know, New Camp... Obviously, was an experience. The River Plate when we played Argentina mm. in the Turn League. Yeah, so I've been lucky to play in a lot of very, very good yeah. stadiums. I once got stuck in the, not stuck. I was there. The the people that gave us the tickets gave us the tickets for the Liverpool away end at Goodison Park for a Merseyside mm. derby. It was a shit game. It was nil nil. It was a horrible game. <laughs> but the experience there and. It, you, you watch these Premier League games from afar and you think, oh, wow, these, these stadiums, it'd be like the NFL yeah, in Goodison America. Goodison like just falling over. Goodison, oh, I could not believe it. If someone, like, like put their match out on the ground... Oh, yeah, wood seats, yeah. It was like, wow. And people were crushed the in and, yeah. like, there's that famous... I think it's out the front of the, the away gates at Goodison, that, that old dude, the steward, like, patting down someone <laughs> that's coming down. He's barely, he's barely touching him. He's, like, going in, going in. But you go in through these tiny... You can barely fit through them, this this framework of the, <laughs> the entrance to the away, and you go in and you just... You're like a bumper car. It's like the whole time, even going to the going to the toilet, getting something to eat, not that you bothered getting something to eat, and then going up into the away end, there was like 4,000 seats but 6,000 people in there type mm. thing and no one was sitting. It's a great experience and that, that that's where you get the the lifeblood. That, that's where you feel alive as a football fan 
even though I'm not a Liverpool fan, obviously, and I was in the Liverpool end, but the, the feeling that was there, there was just this, even though it was a horrible game, the tension still. Yep. There was something in the air yeah. that you can't quite describe and it was unreal. Those old school grounds are the best. So they've still got wooden seats at Goodison. Ellen Road is the same in, yeah. in the main stand. There's still wooden seats. But it's that noise as well. Every time when that's when when the team's going oh. forward, everyone stands up and you hear that clap of all the seats going up, and it's all that sort Mate, of. Goodison was terrifying. Yeah, experience. I hate still playing got the restricted the... view seats as well. Well, that's my worst ground. Yeah. I hate playing in Goodison. Most players did because they're, they're, it's just on top of you, and it, and it, and it's old, and the ground is small and tight, and the fans are right on top of you. So my time there, that's the place I I, I least looked forward to playing. What mm. was Highbury like? Highbury, again, yeah, Highbury, tiny pitch, and Arsenal was so strong and physical. But, yeah, yeah, didn't like, wasn't keen on playing at Highbury and either. The chicken run at West Ham, did you? Oh, the chicken it? run, I've got a good story for that. The chicken run, yeah, of course, I got slaughtered on the chicken run. I remember we were playing Nottingham Forest one day, and um, it was about half an hour. The, the, the incident happened just be, probably just before half time, around 40 minutes. Anyway, we're playing away, I scored, and we actually won the game 1 0. I was having a decent game. You know, I thought, you know, everything's going well. And anyway, I'm, I'm on the right side. Of, I'm on the chicken run, right? And anyway, I remember John Moncur's... I, I can remember the pass. Dix has given it to to Moncur, who gives it a little ball back to Bishop and changes out, opens himself up, and there's me completely free on the right wing. So he plays the ball out, but he's sort of scuffed it, and it's sort of bouncing. And... The pitches weren't like perfection like they were in, you know, mm. back in those days. They were still good, but they weren't perfect. Anyway, as it gets to me, I'm already thinking the left back's fair way, he's closing. And I took my eye off it, but it also took a bobble. Anyway, it's bounced on my foot and dribbled out. And you know when, so the, the I can't remember, it was against Nottingham Forest, but it, the Forest left back's gone to pick up the ball. And you know when it goes silent in the stadium? It's like, it just was this moment of a silence. Lot. And someone stood up in the chicken run. He's got Oi, Slayer, earn your money. <laughs> 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 and after, and Forest play and the West they're all just pissing themselves laughing. <laughs> I'm just standing up, I feel like just going, oh. <laughs> I did that. I think I actually did that. It was brilliant. Hey, just quickly, speaking of advice. Never forgotten it. Advice that Robbie's received that was perhaps unsolicited. Um, Robbie Slater tweet three days ago, to be fair, dare I say it, I quite like Trump. How do you reckon that went on the left wing? Um, <laughs> the left wing. Uh, well, I wouldn't call it an echo chamber. Hey, they're but... <laughs> recounting Georgia. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking at your tweets and you got ratioed, pal. Uh, 144 likes, 93 replies, and not one of them positive. I don't think. <laughs> well, I got 144 likes, isn't that? That means they like. That them. means perhaps. Um, yeah. So, no, they weren't all negative. Mostly were. Kane. I found it quite hilarious. Kane, this me? tweet deserves all the backlash and then some. In the mud with you. Yeah, and then I, I, re, uh, I uh, replied oh, to him. And I said, get, oh, okay. And and maybe worse, dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, and maybe worse. Maybe you should shoot me. And I just said, dickhead. Oh, so the amazing moment. thing to come out of this for me is that it was a bit of a wind-up. I mean, I, sorry, I, I quite like Trump. Uh, you know, I think he's entertaining. Look, I'm not going to talk about what's happened and all the things oh. and things he said and I get why people don't like him. But I just think it's entertaining. It's unbelievable. And the Simpsons were just, I mean, they're brilliant. <laughs> they I mean, they're just brilliant. <laughs> but what gets me is like, hang on a minute, I've just put a tweet out about the current president of the United States. It's not like I put up, you know, a criminal or... 
you know, a Nazi or I quite like someone like anything to do like that. It's the President of the United States. What, I mean, did, you th- what did you think you were going to get, though, when you put it on that? I don't know. <laughs> well, actually, I probably do know. Yeah, you do know. But it did amaze me. Got... I mean, wow. Jordan, no big surprises here. Most pop- unpopular pundit on Australian football has incredibly <laughs> unpopular view. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron, you'd make a great fisherman, Robbie. Bait taken, hook, line and bloody sinker. <laughs> Ah, oh, well, I stand by what I said. Mm. I'm not saying I love the guy, but I, I just think, you know, get uh, the recounts. Matt, you should run for Prime Minister, Robbie. What a ride that would be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, smart ass. Craig, Robbie likes anyone that opens their mouth without thinking reminds him of himself. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, those, see, those ones I quite like. Yeah. Oh, I quite like them. I usually yeah. reply to those and I go, good point. I saw one <laughs> recently. I won't, I won't name her. Uh. Um, there was a tweet about people living in Melbourne. Yeah. Adam, you may have seen this in particular about um, everybody I know in Melbourne can't, as soon as the borders open, will be Oh, yeah, leaving. yeah. It was a reporter in Melbourne. Yeah. And I saw, I looked, I, I saw it and I looked at the stats on below and I went, oh, a thousand likes, five and a half thousand comments. <laughs> <laughs> Every single Everyone. one. Literally no one is thinking that way. <laughs> Brilliant. It has been fascinating viewing that. Some, are, some, are, some people on, you know, on Twitter and social media in general are, are clever. Some are just nasty. Um, Generally speaking, but some, the are, people... some are quite friendly. I, I think I got one that said... The only way Donald Trump is going to get to 270 if he's if he loses 50 pounds. I thought that was quite, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite close. See, things like that, I quite like things like that. But anyone, like I said, the, the, the underlying point for me was that, hang on, it's the President of the United States. Anyway. Um, going slightly worse than Robbie's Twitter timeline <laughs> and the responses is Liverpool's injury problems. Mm. Oh, my goodness. The quote, hoping and praying, is what Gareth Southgate said this morning. So Joe Gomez has suffered a knee injury in, in yeah. training ahead of a friendly match. They've got yeah. three games in this international break, England. Uh, they've got what? Ireland as a friendly. Yeah, Belgium. And they've got Belgium and Iceland. The Iceland game, don't get me started on that. that they said that might have to be moved to be played in Albania. <laughs> what is the point? Why? No, the and nation, then they wonder the why players get league. injured. It's an absolute The Nations farce. League, I don't... I don't. I'm not a big fan. Firstly, you would have thought, and I know, again, it comes back to television money, I dare say, that UEFA got contracts that they have to fulfil, but you would have thought that you would have just stripped everything back during this time, found a way somehow to have Euro 2021 next year, but World Cup qualifiers need to happen quick. So I've got a funny little feeling that World Cup might be delayed 12 months. That's the way it's going at the moment. I can't see how. You couldn't say that that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? At the moment, you just don't know. Anything can happen. It would suit the Socceroos because otherwise they're going to be playing like three games per international window and things yeah. like this are going to happen. Well, we might be able to find a couple of players if they delay it. <laughs> what, some international players? Well, we're getting, you know, that's another podcast on its own. The development players coming through to take players that are currently there and the fact that we have one player in a top competition in the world now, so there's a lot to worry about. Um, so what is going on with this international break? Are club managers blowing up deluxe that their players yep. are there and why are we having international football during COVID? Especially given that if you look Especially at when you're the Premier lockdown. League. Yeah, the Premier League situation at the moment, they're the only league that hasn't reverted to having five substitutions again. Uh, and they're being asked to play. I think Jurgen Klopp, maybe paraphrasing him slightly, but he said what? everybody knows that in England December is yeah. a really outrageously hectic month of football, especially over the Christmas period. Yeah. But he said... October has turned into December. 
November's turned into December and December is still December. They've got yeah, all of yeah. these games that are coming thick and fast. He's got no central defenders left by Joel Matip, who's got oh, a really yeah. checkered injury past anyway. And now he loses Joe Gomez. When, when somebody says they're hoping and praying that he's, yeah, he's in he trouble. Bad. He's in bad. Yeah. Yeah, he's in a bad way. Is So Liverpool going to have to go into the transfer market in January? Well, they're going to have to look at what you said. Free agents. Last post, the free agents. Yeah. Yeah, they, that's the only thing they can do. I mean, if they can, if they can limp to January, then I, I saw Connor Cody, the Wolves defender, who's mm. a massive ever, uh, Liverpool fan anyway. So mm. you think if that offer came up, then he'd go for him. But they're in trouble. Like, yep. you can't keep doing it. And then you're yep. asking managers to, to not get upset when they're losing their players ahead yep. of a meaningless, friendly match. Mm. Why do you need three games in an international break? I've got no idea. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, just before but we go... too late. Mm. Too late for Gomez. Too late yeah. for Liverpool. Anything happening? Oh, um, smashing result for Arsenal last weekend. Uh, smashing. Smashed, mm. I think, is, is the, the phraseology. And in fairness, they, they were brilliant, Aston Villa. I think that I, I'm, I'm a big fan. My granddad's an Aston Villa fan anyway, so I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for them. But the way that you know they stuck with the manager all through last season, stayed up on the last day of the season. Unbelievable. Got Jack Greenwich on a new contract. A big, big time. Wally Watkins, great player. I Jack thought, Greenish to be fair, I thought the last couple of weeks their bubble had somewhat burst, yeah. somewhat, but gee, what a performance against an Arsenal side that, are, that have been going very well. Yeah. And it's amazing how the the thought on Arteta changed yeah, from one week does. to, you know, all of a sudden it was going well and Arteta's done this and that and that and then bang. And then all of a sudden it's all the doubts come out again. Doubts come in, they can't attack, you know, Bamiang's not having any shots. It's the can't same with bowl, Lampard, Solskjaer. Lampard had where he conceded yeah. loads of goals. He shorted yep. things up in defence and now, now his name's out of the papers for exactly. two weeks. Same as Solskjaer. Yep. If they lose again the next game, he'll be he'll back, be in, back there in there. Exactly. Yeah. What are you do? doing your text messages? No, I'm looking at the top four in the Premier League. Mm. Leicester, Tottenham, yeah. Liverpool, Southampton. 10th, Manchester City. 11th, Arsenal. 14th, Manchester United. Yeah. Well, look, uh, and look, that is that tells the story of, of the moment, but it's still too early to say. I, I, I believe. I, I don't think you look at a table for 10 games at least. Did you do that as a player? Were you always looking at it or did you not care? Early in the season, rarely. Then towards the end of the season, you go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're get I remember that when we were at Southampton, when I was at Southampton, because... I mean, Blackburn was different because we were going for the title and yeah. it looked like we were going to get there quite easily and then obviously we didn't. But we at Southampton in that relegation battle where we went to the last day, we actually went to Villa and lost 1-0, but we were okay because the others, you know, it would have taken an unbelievable turn of circumstance for us to go down. We effectively saved ourselves by winning at Roker Park. It was the last home game at Roker Park. Mm. We beat Sunderland 1-0. Good. Um, Oh, I remember that. That was tense. But I remember that was about 10 games to go and and Mark Lawrenson quite famously on TV said, it, well, at South... We were bottom. We were bottom of the league and he said, well, it's Southampton and two others. And we were sitting there. It was on that, you know, that 12 o'clock show, the match... Oh, Football Focus? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and we were sitting there having... And we we heard that and... You know, it Great, sort of put things in went... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's two, two edits. Oh, Jesus. Stop it. Sorry. <laughs> Stop That's it. what we said. We didn't say bugger. We said... Yeah. I'm going to retweet your tweet from the other day. Let's kick it off again if you want. No, I thought I'd put out up. something else. Yeah, quite, go on. To be fair, dare I say, I quite like Scott Morrison. I wonder what that'll get. Oh, God. Anyway, so 10 games to go, we were rock bottom. And I remember the week later we went to Nottingham Forest. We beat them 3-0. That's when... Who was there, Van Hoydonk? 
Mm. Yeah, he was and good Collymore. for them. And Co- Stan Collymore. Anyway, we went on this run where we incredibly saved. It was. It was incredible. There it was from the... Uh, I think seven. There might have been the seven or eight games. Were you playing right wing like you're playing right no, wing I was on playing, Twitter I played, as well? No, I played left wing. <laughs> you played left I was wing? A, I was a lefty loony. That's cut, unusual. Cut inside. Cut inside. Listen, I'm inside not right wing. I'm from... I don't understand. Right wing? Bull, I don't understand all this bullshit. Left, right, middle, right. I don't know. I'm right in the middle. <laughs> I'm telling you. You're right wing. <laughs> I'm telling right? you. Yeah. I'm should I be on, right now. Should I be on Paul Murray? <laughs> Any further right and you'll be in the chicken run. <laughs> <laughs> Does he, what else is happening? Anything else I'm grabbing? Wait, your... wait a second. No, 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 no. And what's wrong with being right wing? Nothing. I'm well, just saying way, you are. The way you put it, you sound like there's something wrong with it. No, I'm not really it. sure. Does he, is there something wrong with being right wing? Uh, what are you, right or left? Centre. Centre right? Yeah. Centre but I can't left. vote out here anyway, so it's irrelevant. Yeah. Anyway, I should shut up. Look, with politics, one lesson, Robbie. I'll give you one thing that I've learned about politics doing a politics podcast elsewhere Mm. is that good people come up with good ideas, Mm. good people come up with shit ideas, shit people come up with good ideas and shit people come up with shit ideas. They're the four rules of politics. And if if you get outside that and you think that there's only two rules that apply, you're kidding yourself. Mm, okay. So if all those right. four, I'll go away mind, with that. Is that the thought for the day? Is that Robbie's homework? That's my <laughs> thought. And he can't please Bad everyone. things happen when good people do nothing. Correct. That too. That too. Absolutely. Um, back to football, James. Anything mm. else that's um, sticking out at you at the moment internationally as well? Um, it's been half politics. <laughs> <as well. laughs> internationally, it's very interesting. I think the injuries one is coming back to what you said about there. Barcelona have been a bit of a mess. They lost mm. Ansu Fati, the young kid, to mm. a knee injury. I think it's four months he's going to be missing for, which is, I mean, I'm going to go back to the days when you were playing. The Barcelona, they seem, I know they've still got Lionel Messi and he's not playing to yeah. a level that we know he can, but... That club is just in free fall, isn't it? Yeah, oh, mm. Amazing. Compared to what you've known. Them. Oh, of course. But you, you'd th- you know, they're going to go through this period, but you'd think they're going to be okay. Mm. Huh. No? I reckon they're, just, they're set up for the next five years. Well, being might a very t- good I, club, but not what yeah, they not, were. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm saying that they're going to go through a tough time. They could be five years. They're not going to be, be, I mean, big, not gonna be winning Champions League. Yeah, but no, big, big clubs go through tough time. Look at yeah. United at the moment. Look yeah. what Liverpool went through before they won a years. Premier League. Yeah, I mean, that's just... A cycle, just isn't the way it? it goes. Hey, just one quick one I want to give a plug to. I spoke to Arsene Wenger. I've lost my car key. Yeah, well, I'll find it for you. I'll find it <laughs> That's for you. That's a lie. You won't care about I'll help my car you, key. Robert. Um, the Arsene Wenger is a part of the Australian Football Coaching Conference, which is coming up at the end of November, and I had a one-hour discussion with him about Brilliant. all things football. Uh, it, like, Fantastic. You speak player. about a fascinating human being. Mm-hmm. One hour felt like you've barely even scratched the surface. Well, you haven't. Yeah, I haven't. He's to scratch the surface. So, brilliant. yeah, um, keep an eye on that. I'll, I'll do a, a little, few little quotes that will go on the Fox Football website. But um, if you want to get involved, hit up the Football New South Wales website. It's it's right there. It's a fascinating – and there's some great um, other parts of that coaching conference coming up. But what would you – just before we go, what was the one question that you'd ask Arsene Wenger as an Arsenal fan? Um, so I, I've, in, I've interviewed him a few times before in post-match stuff and he knew I was an Arsenal fan. So he would always, even if I asked him a difficult question, he would know that I was not going to get For the right reasons. Yeah. Um, I want to know who he thinks is... One question, why did he move away from the style that had Arsenal winning the Premier League, which was big, strong, 
Patrick Vieira, Gilberto yeah, Silva, yeah. big strong Mendel players Petit. to go to what is essentially a, a rip-off version of Barcelona that was small players, very technically gifted. But he signed all the same players. Yeah, they, Why, and, and they, they never all won look the same since. I wish I had that question good, before I did the interview. <laughs> I, I do know though that it sounded like he'd just completely fallen in love with the notion because when that I technique think, no, but when I trumps think, all. When I think of him at Monaco, his Monaco team that was hugely successful. And I, he tried to buy me from Lons. I was going to move from Lons to Monaco. It was a stupid decision. I didn't go there. But anyway. Um, it's not like a but, lifestyle's but Monaco, down there anyway. Monaco were, well. but yeah, don't, don't tell me about <laughs> it. Okay. Yeah, you know, it could have been very different. <laughs> but it was still okay. Um, I had dinner with him and he was an extremely impressive man. And, and I was very close to going to Monaco. Anyway, I signed another three Lons and which was good because I did love Longs. But anyway, when I think of that Monaco team, it was George Weir, you had Emmanuel mm. Petit, big and strong, who would later go to Arne. All the players... Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry, who came a little bit later. Um, but they were strong and powerful, and that's what he built at Arsenal. Yeah. So obviously so what like your point is probably right, that all of us, uh, you know, his own principles somehow got changed with his love of the way Barcelona played and he wanted to try and do that. But you're right. He's saying... If we used to do the Premier League, remember? Mm. We'd look at Arsenal and you'd go, they're all the same players. Yeah. yeah. You had four Bully. four or five creative midfielders. Yeah. In the, four one of them playing striker. All under six midfielders. <laughs> um, with uh, Wenger as well, he said that these top players were Bergkamp, Perez and Henri. Mm. So they're the, like he mentioned Vieira and he mentioned your Tony Adams and things like that. But mm. the, the three players that he absolutely loved, a little glint in the eye came up with those three players, which he said Dennis Bergkamp, he had the best technique he's ever seen of any footballer mm. then in the past or now. Mm. Yeah. Just incredible. So, yeah, check out that chat. Uh, Robbie Slater's got to go and get back on Twitter. I thank you, Rob. my car key. Uh, he's not going anywhere. James Dodd, thank you, mate. Look thank forward to more news on Fox Sports News. Thanks for your time on the Fox Football Podcast. Don't forget, EA Sports, FIFA 21, winners won. Thanks for their support. Thanks to your company on the Fox Football Podcast. We'll catch you soon. <laughs>